I'm going to step into something here and just see where it goes. I really, I really, I really don't want to disrupt the flow with announcements at the moment. Maybe we'll do a couple later. But I referred to a, an event that happened 32 years ago when I, the Lord had relocated us to another state. And uh, in one of the first uh, Sunday mornings that we were there at this church that I was on staff with, the Lord dropped this word on me. And I was a little frustrated with the Lord because I wasn't supposed to speak that Sunday and I didn't think I'd have an opportunity to share it. And I didn't know what the word was. You might think that's weird, but the Lord did that to me at times. Give, gave me a word and something in my spirit that I knew had to come out. But I, my mind was not in touch with what it was. And so at the end of the adult Sunday school class, that Sunday morning, the lead pastor taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, uh, Brother Yuri, do you have something you need to share with the congregation this morning? I said, Yeah, I do. Okay, well, I'll make an opportunity for you to share it. And so at the beginning of the service, he said, Now, Brother Yuri's got a message that he wants to share with us before we start here with whatever his sermon was going to be or whatever. And, and so, so I went up to share whatever it was. I didn't even know what it was yet. I had no idea. But I knew it would come out. And so I took the mic and out of my mouth came this message that completely bypassed my brain. And, and the part that I remember was the Lord saying very strongly that he's going to destroy the great gulf between the laity and the clergy in the church. And all these years later, the Lord's bringing me back to where I'm beginning to realize how big of a deal that is and how little the church has actually gotten a hold of that concept and what a great shift it will bring to the body of Christ when we actually get that. And in the beginning, when the Lord brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, his heart was, he said, I want to make you a kingdom of priests. And the people rejected his voice. They rejected his presence. They said, no, Moses, you go. You go hear what God has to say. It's, it's too intense for us. We're afraid of his presence. You go. There's something that has never been eradicated from God's people. They've always wanted a king to follow. Show me a hero that I can follow. Show me a man that I can follow. It's too much pressure on me to have to maintain a relationship with God for myself. Too much pressure on me to have to be listening to what God is saying ongoing. I just want to get her one and done. Show me what I'm supposed to do. and The Lord wants a relationship with his people. He wants intimacy with every one of us. He wants us to hunger to live our life in his presence. That we have a greater hunger for that than anything else in life. 
I'm just hearing that. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers, which was a central doctrine in the reformation of the church that began with Luther. Said first of all, that all believers in Christ share his priestly status. There's no special class of people who mediate the knowledge, the presence, and the forgiveness of Christ to the rest of believers. And that all believers, listen to this, you you need to get this. All believers have the right and the authority to read, interpret, and apply the teachings of Scripture. Every believer. Yeah, but I never went to Bible school. I never went to seminary. Well, does. I didn't either. But I have a relationship with Holy Spirit. And he ministers life to me. I'm not saying anything against, well, I am saying against some of the institutions. And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of religious institutions are a mixture of the traditions of man and the word of God. And when you have a mixture, you know what that is, what we call that in the agricultural world? We call that a hybrid. A hybrid can produce a crop, but it can't reproduce a second one. And so the next generation has to go back and get their indoctrination again at the same institution. And the church lost the power to reproduce its own leaders. And I'm, I'm going to be beating this drum, I believe, from now on. That if you're a believer, or if there's one believer in your house, then there's a priest in your house. And it's a big deal, and I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you why. You know, but, uh, when we develop a new plan or a new process or a new whatever in the church, we like to think it through really well, plan it out really well, you know, build a new ministry, uh, you know, establish some new committees, you know, pray and process the thing through for a few months until we lo- know exactly what we want to do and how we want to do it. Well, when the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they didn't have that luxury. And yet the things that God led them into in their process that seemed like it was just on the fly became values that they lived by from then on. The Passover lamb, that whole thing, that wasn't thought out ahead of time. That was instituted when it was needed. And that's a picture of Jesus. And, and they, they were to get the leaven out of their life and out of their house and only eat unleavened bread for seven days. And they didn't plan that stuff out. That was just obedience to the voice of God as they went. And all these years later, I'm beginning to understand that I fell into the same pattern. I didn't even realize it. When I surrendered my life to Jesus, a couple days later, I came home and the Lord, and I told my wife, I said, we have to get, 
we have to clean our house out. He said, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. I just feel there's things in our house we need to get rid of that, that, that aren't going to serve our relationship with the Lord. We hadn't even, we hadn't even been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, and I just, I just knew that I knew that we had to do this. Not realizing I was falling right into the pattern of getting the leaven out of the house. They had to come, they had to do that coming out of Egypt. If you've never done that, I would I would recommend that you allow the Lord to show you how to cleanse the leaven out of your life. Leaven's a picture of sin. How to cleanse the leaven out of your life and out of your house. Well, that sounds a little religious to me. Well, you know what? It's not. Not when you're following the presence of the Lord. Not only were they to do it that time, they were to repeat that festival every year, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Every, I mean, periodically, you need to allow the Lord to just cleanse you again, remind you again, get rid of things that need to be gotten rid of. Uh, Another picture of sin in the Old Testament was leprosy. You know, when you got infected with leprosy, it would get into your body and it would get in the walls of your house. And it would have to be cleansed by a priest in order to be removed. Guess what? If you're a believer, you're a priest. You have authority to remove things and to cleanse things in your life and the life of people around you. So, so we did that. And then they ate the bread of heaven for 40 years in the wilderness every day. They gathered it six days because on Saturday, on uh, Friday, which was their the evening of the Sabbath, they would gather enough for two days because they weren't allowed to gather it on the Sabbath. So they would gather enough for two. But every day they ate the bread of heaven. And guess what? When they came out of Egypt, there was no feeble among them. That was several million people. No feeble people among them. And the Lord told them. He said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God... And do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you, which I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Psalm 105, 37 says, He brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among all the tribes. And, and here we are. That was Old Covenant. Here we are in a superior covenant sealed with the blood of Jesus, not just the blood of bulls and goats. And it's a far better covenant. And the glory of this covenant is not a passing glory, it's an abiding glory. And yet so many of God's people are struggling and living weak and sick. I believe I'm going to show you why. 
In John chapter 6, verse 30, they said to Jesus, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe it? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. That manna wasn't the real deal yet. That was powerful. It was supernatural. But that was only a picture of me. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And then Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And then the church said, well, it has to be a priest or an ordained person or somebody that wears a black dress and a backwards collar because you can't take communion by yourself. And we allowed a heresy to disempower the church. And I'm addressing that thing. And I'm, I'm telling you, we need to get back to receiving this day our daily bread. And it's not about a ritual. It's not about you just, oh, I got, I'll take the communion, to bre- the bread and the, and, the, and, uh, and the wine today, and then I'm good. No, it's about learning to come into his presence. Do it in an attitude and an atmosphere of worship. Come into his presence. Receive Jesus, the bread of heaven, on a daily basis. And, you know, Kirby Delanero, some of you know him or have met him, know who he is from Sri Lanka he I was scratching my head several years ago at the revelation that he received that he lives in he walks in he takes communion daily and he eats three or four meals a year that's all he eats and the revelation that he received is communion is all the food that you need The bread and the wine is all that you need to sustain life. Not only to sustain it, but to sustain it on a higher level. For your body, for your mind, and for your spirit. It's a connection with Jesus, who is the bread of heaven. In John 6, 53, and I'm going to read it in the NIV. He said to them, Very truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. It's not this plastic stuff that we eat a lot of times. Contaminate it with all kinds of whatever, GMO, hybridized, 
infested with insecticides and I better not go down that trail too much further but the, the, my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them and just as the living father sent me and I live because of the father so the one who feeds on me will live because of me this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you need to get saved by communion. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you want to live in a higher realm of life, don't come to the communion table once a week, once a month, twice a year, whatever your religious group tells you, but... Start practicing what Jesus said. Give us this day our daily bread. And let's see what begins to happen to the health of the body of Christ. Let's see what begins to happen to the mind of Christ in the body of Christ. Let's begin to see what it looks like to operate on a higher level. And then if you decide you're communion is all you need and you're not going to eat anymore and be like Kirby that's between you and the Lord I'm not saying to anybody that you need to do that but I do know that that Kirby's not an emaciated kind of guy skin and bones he actually runs marathons I've heard and and actually practically lives out what he says he believes and one thing that that I think the Lord really wants to do for us is to help connect us with what we believe and bring it into our everyday life. You know, I, I hear a lot of pie-in-the-sky teachings going around the body of Christ these days. I want to see it lived out in your life. I want to see you living it in shoe leather. Don't be telling me that you are experiencing immortality now, but you're running to the hospital all the time. It, that doesn't work for me. The, the dots need to connect a little better than that. In other words, if there's something that we believe, let's put it into practice in our life and, and put faith with it and shoe leather faith and let's demonstrate that we're living what we say we believe. Amen? doesn't mean you have to do it all perfectly and not make any mistakes. You know, we all make mistakes. What I'm saying is, I want to see the new covenant glory come to God's people. And I believe we have an opportunity to do that.